Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Merry Christmas to you. Happy Advent during this time of the year. We are grateful for your presence with us today. We welcome our guests, especially this morning. Uh, you're very important to us. We're glad that you're here and uh, hope that you'll feel very much part of our family. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you wouldn't mind to take those and fill them out so we could have a record of your attendance with us this morning. If you could do that, we would certainly appreciate it. And a few announcements I'd like to call to your, uh, to your attention. First of all, I hope that everyone received a uh, service survey uh, as you walked in. If you didn't, pick up one before you leave today and fill those out so we can have uh, an idea of where you would like to serve in our community, in our uh, community of faith. Um, it, it's important that everyone uh, has a place of service and some things to do and something to be a part of. And we are called to do that as Christians. We are called to be, to be a part of the ministry that goes on uh, through God's church. And so uh, this... But we don't want to match, we don't want to put round pegs in square holes or, or vice versa. We want to put you in a place that you're interested in. So fill those out if you wouldn't mind. You can drop it in the offering plate. You can bring it by the church or mail it in or whatever. But your nominating team is working now, and, uh, and we would appreciate your input with this as, as soon as possible. Let's see here. We are coming up just one week away, folks. It's Christmas next Sunday, isn't it? And you know what that means? That means Saturday is Christmas Eve, and that, uh, that means that we will be having our annual Christmas Eve uh, worship service. And this is one of my favorite, it's probably my favorite service of all time. And uh, it's a great time. It's, it's kind of like family getting together around the, the, the fire at Christmas, but we won't, we won't have a fire here. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> But we'll be singing a lot of songs and hearing other songs and readings, and, and uh, it'll be a great time. And it's a beautiful, beautiful service. We'll, we'll have a candlelight service, and we invite you to come and be a part of that. That's at 5 o'clock on Saturday. So we'll get you out of here soon enough to get home to your, your celebrations at home on Christmas Eve. And then on Sunday, this is one of those years where Christmas falls on Sunday, and uh, so we will be here on Sunday morning for our regular worship service. We will not be having Sunday school on Sunday, but we will be here at a regular service at 1045. Uh, so kids, you can get up and, and, uh, and, and see what Santa brought you on Sunday morning. And then we'll be here for worship on, on, at a regular time at 1045. <clears throat> One other thing, uh, and this, one's, this is a little sad uh, announcement, and that is that today is Katie Horton's last day uh, with us. She has served as our, as our, music, uh, our, music, our children's minister for a while now, now but she has taken a job at, uh, uh, with the Peace Corps in, in Washington, D.C., 
and uh, so she's going to be heading off uh, to, to D.C. I think she's going to spend some time at home for a couple of weeks, um, but today is her last day with us, so we send her forth with all of our blessings and good wishes, and I know you'll want to speak to, to Katie before you leave today. Let's stand and greet each other with Christmas love today.
Christmas is coming, be joyful and celebrate. Some people just celebrate because that's what you do at this time of year. <laughs> Some celebrate because they think they're going to be given good gifts. But for us, it is different. Very, very different. <laughs> Joy came into the world at Christmas time with the birth of a baby 2,000 years ago. That joy is in our hearts and is bursting to get out, so let it out. The world needs all the joy it can get. Christ is coming. As we wait expectantly for Christmas Day, we light this fourth candle as a sign that the joy and love and peace that arrived with the birth of Christ is still with us today. And we wait to share them with everybody around us. Pray with us. Lord of celebration, thank you for the joy that you have brought to this world. Let it burst out of us in every word, every action, every smile, so that all around us we will be touched by it and will begin to feel a little of that same joy. Amen. Amen. Yes. Thank you.
Tim will be talking about the different names for Jesus. What would we do if we didn't have names? Would your mother call you to dinner? Would you get ma- how would you get the mail? Would you call your how would you call your friends? Names are important. Some children are named after their fathers or another family member. Some are named after a favorite friend or a famous person whom the person admires, who the parents admire. Some girls are named after flowers. Others are named after months of the year. Some boys are given biblical names like Jacob, Matthew, or Daniel. And girls have biblical names too, such as Mary, Elizabeth, or Ruth. Children may be given a name because they look just like the name Fitzman, or they are given a name that goes well with their last name. Many names have a special meaning. Let's look at a few. Grace means a blessing. David means beloved. Michael resembles God. William means determined. My name is Simi, which means island. My mother's name is Sarah, which means princess. After church, see if an adult can help you look up the meaning of your name. Before Jesus was born, an angel appeared to Joseph in a dream and told him that Mary was going to give birth to a baby boy, and he would be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. In the Bible, Jesus is given many names, such as the Messiah, the Word, and the Son of God. Jesus means God saves. Even before he was born, he was given a name, Emmanuel. And this name was the sign of this was a special, a special child. This was, this was God coming to be with us in the form of a child. God is with us. I'm going to give you, a, I'm going to give you each a paper star. One side lists the name, one of Jesus' names, Emmanuel. With the meaning on the back, God with us, on the other side. Where are these to remind people that at Christmas we celebrate God with us?
Will you please pray with me? Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and the people gathered here to worship you. We ask that through this season of Christmas we can remember the great gift that you gave to us. As we give gifts to others, may we remember that Jesus came to save us. Bless the gifts that are going to be given today, that we may use them for the good of your kingdom. All these things we ask in thy name. Amen. Follow along as we read Matthew, first chapter of Matthew, verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus was the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man 
and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had born a son, and he named him Jesus. I'll trust in the word of the Lord. Oh, no. 
Thank you, and, uh, and uh, you know, we've heard some beautiful music today, haven't we? And, uh, and I'm grateful for all that have participated and been a part of that. I, that's, that's something that I really just love about this time of the year is the music of Christmas. Do you find yourself at Christmas time when you're singing the carols, you, you sing a little bit louder, a little bit more gusto? Do you find yourself doing that? I do, and, 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 I, and I want to do that, but I've got a little cold now, and so it kind of comes out like squeaks and squawks and stuff, but, uh, so I'm a little bit frustrated right now because I want to sing, but I can't, um, but, but it's a beautiful time of year for that, and also one of my favorite time, uh, parts of this time of the year is the joy that comes, that, that people express every day, but not always. Is that correct? And sometimes, some places it's, it's easy to express the joy of the Lord and the joy of Christmas. And sometimes, some places, it's not so easy to express the joy of Christmas. The late Irma Bombeck, one of America's funniest and best-loved columnists, wrote a funny but penetrating piece years ago about Christmas at a place where it's hard to express joy. The post office. (laughs) I quote, Most of us have never seen anyone smile in the post office. The post office instead is like a clinic for lower back pain. Well, I was in line yesterday, she says, when the door opened and in walked a lady with a big smile on her face, weighted down with boxes for mailing. She held the door open for her three little girls who filed in each carrying a package, it was quite obvious that they had never seen the inside of the post office before. She bounded over to a man standing over a counter, pasting stamps, and asked, Are you a carrier? Of what? He snapped. Another one in line growled, To the back of the line, lady. Her eyes fairly danced with excitement as she announced to no one in particular, It certainly is a nice day. And just think, girls, Christmas is only one week away. Will Granddad get his present? asked one child. Of course he will, she said, said the mother. We've got it all timed out just about right. On Christmas Eve, he'll be sitting around the fire. The doorbell will ring and a postman will knock and say with a big smile, Merry Christmas from your family in Arizona. Every eye in the post office turned to stare at this cross between Mary Poppins and Tiny Tim. Look, girls, doesn't the post office look like Santa is on his way? And we all looked around. And with the exception of Santa pointing his finger at us from a poster, poster and warning mail early, the place had the spirit of a recovery room. Finally, she got to the head of the line. When will Dad get these packages, she asked. And the postal clerk shrugged and said, depends. Maybe by New Year's, or we could get them there in a day. One day would be fine, she exclaimed. It'll cost you, he said, scribbling down some figures. 45.83. The woman hesitated and then picked out one box and said, this one must get there by Christmas Day. It's my father's birthday. And the clerk shook his head and said, boy, that guy's a loser. 
Imagine having a birthday on Christmas. One present fits all. Thank God I don't know of anyone born on Christmas Day. And then the man behind me whispered loudly, Thank God I do. Now I've told that long story by Emma Birnbeck. Bombeck. I told that to ask this question. Do you? Do you know anyone? Do you know the one who was born on Christmas Day? We're reflecting on the scripture lesson from Matthew today when Joseph is perplexed. Because you see, the woman that he is engaged to is pregnant. And he knows that the baby is not his. Sounds kind of like a Maury Povich show, doesn't it? But he's trying to to decide what he should do in this situation. Will he expose her and make her a a public example? He, He could do that, but his heart wasn't in that. He couldn't do that because he loves her too much. But he is a man, and he's a godly man. He's a just man. And so he decides that he decides to take the action that is only acceptable, the only action that's acceptable to his conscience. He decides to divorce her quietly, hoping to cause as, a, as little attention in the community as possible. But even that decision, even though it was a decision that came out of his love and out of his sense of justice, even that didn't set very well with him. And so he continued to struggle with what he should do here. And with a, it was during a fitful night of struggling with what to do, an angel appeared to Joseph and assured him, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. There we have the naming of the baby. He is to be called Jesus. Emmanuel. It had been declared by the prophet Isaiah centuries before that a child would be born and his name would be called Emmanuel. The angel had already announced to announce this to Mary at the time of her annunciation. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and of His kingdom there will be no end. So it seems that there's a lot of truth in that great hymn that we sing from time to time. There's just something about that name. What I'd like to do this morning is to take a look at the two names given to the Messiah in our scriptures. Jesus and Emmanuel. First, the name Jesus. Jesus is the Greek form of the Jewish name Joshua. And the name Joshua means God saves. Mark Trotter reminds us that the Jews chose names not only because of the meaning of the names, the the meaning of the names in particular, but also because of the tradition that is uh, associated with those names. And so when someone is named Joshua, for example you take into account what the name means, but you also need to look back 
to the first Joshua in the Bible and find the meaning of his name and what's the significance of his character. The name Joshua takes us back to the Exodus, to the liberation of the Jews from slavery in Egypt, to the establishment and the fulfillment of their life in the promised land. And the two most important figures in that period of time are Moses and Joshua. Moses began the Exodus and Joshua finished it. Therefore, if you want to understand who Jesus is and and what he means to us, we need to look at that name and the tradition associated with it. Now, the gospel writers told the story of Jesus uh, with a lot of parallels between the life of Jesus and the life of Moses. Uh, Hebrew legend said that Moses' father received a visitation from an angel who revealed that his son would be the one who would liberate the Jews from Egypt. And then Matthew tells us that Joseph had a similar dream, saying that his son would deliver the world. And thus his name shall be Jesus, which means God will save us from our sins. Look at some of the other parallels between Jesus and, and Moses. Pharaoh threatened to slaughter the Hebrew children, and Moses was spared by a miracle. Herod slaughtered the innocent children in Bethlehem, and Jesus was spared again by a miracle. Joseph crossed the Red Sea and into 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Jesus crossed the Jordan River after his baptism and entered into 40 days of wandering around in temptation. These parallels were not lost on the people who first heard the good news of Christ proclaimed. They understood by those parallels who Jesus was and what, what he had come for. Moses received the Ten Commandments, the law of Israel, up on the mountain, Mount Sinai. And Jesus preached the Beatitudes, the, the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, the laws of his kingdom, up on the side of a mountain. Parallels. All the way up to the Transfiguration which confirms that Jesus is the Messiah, where, where Moses is present there, and he cast his vote. Listen to him. So you see, to say that Jesus is like Moses is to proclaim that he's a liberator, and he has come to release us from our bondage. But his name is not Moses, is it? It's Joshua. Moses began the exodus. Joshua finished it. Poor old Moses died an old man just before God led them into the promised land. But, but it was Joshua who led his people into the life that they had longed for, for the life that they had awaited for so long and, and had expected and prayed for, the fulfillment of their life together. In the promised land. And so when the angel says his name shall be called Jesus, Joshua, the name reveals what he will do. The name tells us that God saves. Now the tradition of the name means that God will save us from whatever holds us in bondage and will lead us into the fulfillment of our lives. But that doesn't really help us any, does it? 
unless we respond. And so let's be very specific here. And let's name that common bondage that all human beings have. And let's claim the deliverance that Jesus brings to us. That bondage that we all have, my friends, it is sin. It is sin. Now, it's not easy for us to admit that we are very adept at uh, evading the truth about our lives. It's kind of like the husband who said to his wife after she suggested he might want to lose a few pounds. He said, I'm not overweight. It's just that according to the chart, I should be six, six inches taller. Well, the Bible's very specific. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, that's good news, isn't it? But it is good news only when we are willing to admit the bad news about ourselves. And the bad news is that we are sinners. And we need that salvation from our sins. So, do you feel, the, feel burdened by the weight of guilt this morning? Do you feel pain in your heart because of some severed relationship that needs to be reconciled? Do you feel helpless because you are held in the grip of some debilitating habit? Is your energy being drained because you live too close to the line of moral compromise? Does your pride put you in the position of thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to think and while you're looking down your nose at others? We could go on and on, but you'll need to do that for yourself. But here's the thing. Even though the process of confession and repentance may be painful and difficult, the joy that comes as a result is unspeakable and full of glory. For you see, the one whose birthday that we celebrate next week on Christmas is Jesus. And he has come to save us from our sins. But he will also save us from our fear. And that's the second common bondage that, that we need, um, need to name if we're going to, to know the deliverance that Jesus offers to us. Writer Lauren Isley puts this into focus. He was writing about a study of Eskimo culture. And uh, Isley reports that when asked about his beliefs, the Eskimo replied, We do not believe. We only fear. We fear those things about us and those things which we do not understand, he said. And so Isley comments that the darkness that surrounds us has not departed because, like the Eskimo, we do not so much believe as we fear. We do not fear the Eskimo's malevolent ghosts, but we fear the ghosts of ourselves. We have come now in our time to fear the water we drink, the air that we breathe, the insecticides dusted over our food. We fear the awesome nuclear power we have lifted out of nature and cannot return. 
We fear the weapons that we've made and the hatreds that we have engendered. We fear for the value of the money in our pockets that stands symbolically for food and shelter. We fear the growing power of government to take all these things away from us. We even fear our scientists and their discoveries. We fear, and never will we cease to fear, he said. Now that's a pretty perceptive observation. But I want to affirm something that Isley neglected to, to affirm. And that is this. Listen to this, folks. We can leave the darkness of our fear behind. Yeah, we live in a world filled with fear. It is all over the place. There's a lot out there to be afraid of. But here's the good news for each of us today. We can leave the darkness of that fear behind. The angel on that dark, cold night came to the shepherds and said, What? Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, for unto you is born this day a Savior. That's who Jesus is. And there's something about that name, isn't there? Jesus, our Savior. Our Savior from sin and from fear. Now let's take a look at the other name given to the Messiah from Isaiah. The name Emmanuel. The angel announced to Joseph that, that Mary would bear a son and his name would be called Jesus. For he would save his people from their sins. And then Matthew continues by saying, All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And so Emmanuel is also a name for the child of Christmas, isn't it? Emmanuel. God is with us. The same prophet Isaiah had, had this to say about Emmanuel in another place. He said, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep deep darkness, on them the light has shined. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. What a promise, what a wonderful promise that is. And what hope that brings to each of our lives. This is the word that we so desperately need for all of our lives. Because folks, this is not some kind of a naive idea here. This is not some superficial optimism. This is the bedrock of reality which moves us from the groaning despair of Look what this world's coming to. To the daring declaration of look who's coming to the world. Look at what this world's coming to. Doesn't look good. But look who's coming to the world. Suddenly things are different. Do any of you remember the movie The Day After? 
uh, I, you know, I, I had forgotten about this movie. I, and it, it, but, but as I started thinking about it and reading about it, 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 it came to me, and I, and, I, and, I, and I remember it pretty vividly. The Day After was aired, first aired in 1983. So this is a long time ago, folks. But it is still the highest rated TV movie of all time. And it betrays what life in America would be like after a nuclear holocaust. And basically, the declaration of that movie was, look what the world's coming to. Now, its detractors and champions have had their day in the media. And, it, and what kind of political statement it made still continues to be debated today. And I'm intrigued by that. But... There was a religious statement that was very subtle in this movie and could very easily be missed. It was found not in any of the action that takes place in the movie, but in the theme music at the beginning and at the end of the movie. It was one of our favorite hymns, How Firm a Foundation. That music at the end of the movie is set against the haunting appeal that goes out from from all of the destruction and devastation and the despair that had covered a place called Lawrence, Kansas. Almost everything there is destroyed. Everything is contaminated. Everything is in chaos. Buildings have been crumbled. Flesh was melted away from, the, from human and animal skeletons. And, and most of the survivors were disfigured and dysfunctional. There was no food. There was no water. There was no electricity. And some students and a professor have put together the pieces to, to make a, a radio. They've put together a radio, and they were desperately trying to make contact with anybody, anybody out there in the outside world. And so it was over and over again. Hello, this is Lawrence, Kansas. Is anyone there? They plead, can anyone hear me? Is anyone there? And at the end of the movie, there's this sweeping panorama of the devastation and the despair. And then a shot of those trying to make radio contact. And in the midst of all of that, the music floats almost imperceptibly into our minds as that anguished plea is sounded again. Is anyone there? Can you hear me? Is anyone there? And that music calls to our minds the words that we sing. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in His excellent Word. Now, I don't know if he intended this or not, but whether he intended it or not, the writer made a profound statement here, and that is that even in the, when the world is reduced to rubble, and even when our cries of despair may seem to go unanswered, our foundation is firm. Even when life is crumbling down around us, our foundation is firm. Is anyone there? Can you hear me? Is anyone there? Sometimes we may be speaking those same words. Maybe not out loud, but in our heart of hearts. 
And this season of the year answers that question for so many of us. Emmanuel, God is with us. So there is indeed something about their name. That name isn't there. Or maybe we should say those names. More truth that we can, than we can even imagine. But also an experience that each of us can take hold of in our own lives. Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. From their fear. Emmanuel, God is with us, even in our darkest hour. For you see, the light of God has shined into the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. God is always with us. So take hope during this Christmas season. Amen. Let's sing something uplifting. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. We got a week away, folks. One week. And then we'll be hearing those bells on Christmas Day. Let's sing together with much joy and hope as we celebrate this time of year. And not only of one who was raised up onto a cross, but one who was raised to life and who lives forever. Our hope of life everlasting, Jesus our Lord. So go from this place and may Christ, Emmanuel, Jesus, go with us. Go with you this day and always. 
Amen.